All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Okay, thank you for joining us, everybody, to Dropping the Gloves. Very excited to have you all here. We just were watching videos of the Tiger Williams, Michael Pozzetta, riding a stick. Very exciting. Wasn't it, Tim? We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Lots to talk about today. Lots to talk about. Yeah, I want to start with, um, we're approaching our 500th episode, which I don't know, we're another 10 episodes or so, sometime next month, I think. I'll make sure we have it uh, circled on the calendar. But uh, we talked about ways to commemorate it, whether we even maybe it's just acknowledging it. Maybe we throw a parade or something in between. But so I threw out the ideas to some listeners on on social media and they're very funny. I don't know. Have you seen have you read these, John, these responses? Not yet. I had a I had a just an eventful day yesterday. I'll touch on when you're done with this. OK, so. OK, yeah. Well, the things that kept coming up over and over again, some of them. Uh, John has to read a carefully selected list of player names. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, a lot of people want us to fight. A lot of people want you to interview Mike Milbury. Uh, Love that. Bloopers, <laughs> blooper reel. Uh, do a, read all the bingo card sayings that we've got, like Waterbug, and he gets up and down the ice, things like that. Uh, interviewing Gary Bettman. Merch came up a lot. We should we should look into that again. Pay-per-view fight, John Scott versus Tom Sestito. <laughs> I would like that. <clears throat> Get John to make his own version of the old Rock'em Sock'em Don Cherry videos. Okay. Um, recap of all John's fights. But the thing that came up the most that I'm I'm going to make happen is um, listeners send in questions, like voicemail style. We talked about it. We kind of tried it maybe a year or two ago. Never really got into it, but I'm going to try to do that. I think the 500th episode would be a great opportunity and get people involved with the show so stay tuned for some info on that i liked um tj casperson's he just said stop doing the show (laughs) hang him up i like that maybe we should just call it quits after 500 thanks for listening tj that's probably the best one yet but um sorry what was the last one that you said um doing the listener voicemails those come up a lot i don't know Yes, yes, we're going to do it. Doing a giveaway. John has to read the first page of Tim's book. Oh, that could be funny. I should read your blog that you wrote about me we should. 15 years make- ago. Finally, I don't think anybody realizes what that even is. For those of us who haven't been listening to us for years and years, 
Tim wrote a scathing blog about me when he was in high school, Tim? College? Might have been high school. Uh, yeah. And I've never read it. I've just heard about it. And apparently he just tears me a new one and just like goes really in on me about how I'm just a bad player, this and that. And I'd love to read it. Yeah, well, I think that would be a good thing, too. Uh, the last one is uh, I want John to give a lengthy and heartfelt thank you to Tim. Maybe this can be a good opportunity right now, John. What For do you think? what? But honestly, <laughs> though, for what? <laughs> I don't know. Everything, everything. Everything March and nothing at the same time. March Madness style fighters, best 16 of all time. I feel like that's been done many times. So I think the voicemail thing, and I would read, the, I would read that article. That'd be a good time to do that. The only way we should do a voicemail thing is if we get a sponsor who's going to pay us money to use their voicemail system. I'm telling you, that's the way to go. If you know any phone people, <laughs> give us money and we'll do it. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. <clears throat> and I don't know if people have noticed. We've just been killing it with the ads lately. Absolutely zero. And my kids ain't getting uh, getting smaller. You know what I mean? They got they get they need new. They're shoes. starving. Well, no, they're not, they're not starving. They eat, but they're growing out of their clothes. And every time it's a change of season, it's like. Well, now we got to get the spring and summer stuff out. It's all too small. So we got to just buy new stuff for everybody. So come on, let's go. Give me that phone, voicemail, message money, baby. I need it. Mint Mobile with Ryan Reynolds. Give me some of that Mint Mobile money. I need it now more than ever. Do you want to know why? why? Yesterday was such a bad day for me. Uh-oh. Okay. So I get a call from my wife early in the morning, probably 8, 8.30, and it's never good when the first words that come out of her mouth are, I have bad, bad news. Uh, That's great. Okay. What is it? What did the kids do? I'm just bracing myself for something that happened at home. Cause the kids are off of school spring break. So she has all seven of them at home. Wait, so, so, so what are your thoughts going to at this moment? Is it like someone broke something? Someone got hurt? Someone lied? Like what? You know, when someone jumps in on the story, right? When you're about to just talk about what they're asking because i was just okay. going to get to that and you okay. just like I'm, i'll mute my mic for five minutes well don't but just read the room you know what i mean because i was just getting to that but okay. anyways so she has all seven kids home and I, i'm instantly thinking someone's either just disrespecting her being naughty which happens sometimes and there's you know a couple that do it all the time and i have to come home and take care of business or someone's broken their bones those are the two things that are going through my mind. And that split second. She goes, there's bad news. Um, there's a flood in Northport. I'm like, what? We have a cottage up in Northport, Michigan that we go to in the summer. Tim's never been out there, but it's, it's a nice cottage. Anyways, we were getting the windows redone and they showed up yesterday to put brand new windows in. It was going to be great. The guys go in, he goes, oh yeah, you, you have a massive flood. I guess a pipe burst a few weeks ago. And it's been just wide open, full on raining inside your house for a couple of weeks. I don't know what it is with me and floods, but it's just, I, I saw, so I had to drop everything yesterday morning, drive all the way out there, just take stock of what's going on, call up our water remediation people. They came out and they were getting things set up, the dehumidifiers, the pumps to this and then that there there's mold starting to develop because mold apparently only takes two or three days to start to form. And the floors are completely buckled. Everything's a mess. The water out there isn't great. It's all, it's got rust in it. So everything's like colored a tinge of brown or red. 
it's just a disaster. And so I'm just like, come on. We rent it out in the summer. And so the big rental season's coming around the corner. All the contractors in town are already booked up for the spring. Like it's just impossible to find someone to do anything unless you have a job that's a million dollar job. They're just all booked up. So I'm just, and it happened yesterday. So, so have I'm you gone to the wrong. house yet? Have I what? Did you go up to the house? Yeah, I just said, do you see what I have to deal with? <laughs> I thought you were describing his his analysis of it. So so you said, what is it with you in floods? Because one of your houses had really bad damage like 10 years ago, right? You know, I just, I just don't know if we can continue doing this. The lack of respect <laughs> is astonishing. Yes, I did have a house flood 10 years ago when I was playing with the San Jose Sharks. Yes. <laughs> what? What do you? What do you matter? Well, you ask questions that I've just given the answer to. So it's it's clear you don't listen to a word I say. You told you you said the guy went to your house. Who's you? Use you? Okay. Do you want to have an argument? Or do you want to try to score points here? Well, I'm just trying to figure out what you're saying. <laughs> you said the guy told you called you and said all this damage was happening to your house, but you never said you went there. So that's why I was asking. Uh, I said I drove out there. You can listen to this episode in a couple hours. It, w- it was in the first little bit. I drove out there and I saw the damage. The floors were buckling. Everything is a disaster. We have to gut the whole first floor. And these guys are funny with their mold. There's mold spores everywhere. We got to rip apart the whole house. And I'm looking around and I'm just thinking, this looks fine to me. Doesn't look bad at all. Like, what's what's the big deal? I'm like, oh, the mold's everywhere. And I'm not a mold expert. But apparently they get everywhere and you can't get rid of them unless you do a deep, deep clean. So I don't know. They just get all excited because like, we're going to be out here weeks. It's going to be great because they charge an arm and a leg. Those. And I don't want to slight them because they're just doing their job. They'll set a machine and you pay like $500 a day to rent this dehumidifier. It's crazy the amount of money. And they set like four of them up. So they're making without even the labor. Just set, setting a machine down. It's it's wild. And I'm paying all the utilities on it. Electricity is not cheap, Tim. Well, how soon till it's like livable again? Well, I have to get it built, rebuilt. And I don't know, you probably weren't listening. It's hard to find a builder. So I have to I wait till the, <laughs> I got to wait well, till the mold guys get out. And then that's going to be mid-April. Then I got to hopefully line someone up to get in there to rebuild it. So I'm shooting for June 1. That's that's my goal, but I don't think it's going to happen. But well, I was just thinking about not only to take a lot of money mm-hmm. to to repair, but it's also cutting into your ability to rent it out. So it's like a double double edged sword. And I don't know how insurance works. So if you're an insurance person, let me know if they will recoup me for my losses for the rental. I don't know. I don't know, Tim. I don't know what to do. But that was yesterday, so I wasn't really in a great mood coming in today and you're just making it worse by completely ignoring me do you want me to say something now yeah let's get on with the show <laughs> five 500 episode great great who cares uh, what, are, what are we talking about today Tim? <laughs> well i just want to talk about some of the teams that are doing some some good things right now the rangers are 9-1-1 one one in their last 11 games. They're really heating up. Patrick Kane has finally turned it on after a slow start with the first few games with in New York. And Tay spoke about that yesterday. Did you see his quote about um, seeing Kane in a Rangers jersey? It's an interesting comment because you can tell John is frustrated. He's coming back. He's still dealing with this long COVID thing. You can tell he's just, hey, he hasn't been himself for years. 
But it's a very eye-opening comment when he said he looks good in the Rangers uniform. And is this a prelude to what's happening next year with Jonathan Taves? We can expect him not to re-sign with the Chicago Blackhawks because his contract's up at the end of this year. He was a big ticket, not a huge ticket, but a big guy at the trade deadline. But he obviously he relapsed with the COVID stuff and he couldn't be traded because he was going through those injuries and who knows where he was going to be. But the plan was he was going to re-sign in Chicago and then we'll kick the can again next year to see where everybody's at. But we want you to come back to Chicago. Do you think after listening to his comments that, whoa, maybe he just leaves in the offseason because he's obviously... He likes Kaner being gone because that's a very, it's a telling thing what he says. He looks good in a different uniform. I don't know. To me, that's him thinking, how would I look in that uniform? What would I look like? So I don't know. I I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's just all of a sudden signing with Chicago in the offseason and then they're going to trade him at the deadline. If I'm Jonathan Taves, why would I want to do that? It limits the amount of teams that I can go to at the deadline. Maybe you know who the front runner is at that point, and then you can go to that team. But if I if I want to have all 30 teams available, 31 teams, do it in the offseason. You know, you can kind of go and dip your toe in everybody's water and see who you like. So I don't know. What did you think of that? Was it just a, you know, a random comment, throwaway thing, or was there something behind it? Well, I think the, I think the the <clears throat> the feeling right now is that he's going to retire sooner than he goes somewhere else. So that's the question. And he said, this is the, he was asked about possible retirement and he said, quote, I feel like I have much more to give with my experience, but when day after day is you're just pushing through pain, it's just like, to what end? So he's frustrated for sure. And he's going through a lot physically and to the point where it takes a toll mentally and emotionally. So I'm sure he's, he's just not that happy where he is and not doesn't help that all his buddies are gone and, and the team sucks and, what do you do? He's like, he's like your trap. So yeah, I would say I don't see him coming back to Chicago, but I think it's just as likely that he, that he retires. I think he plays another year. I think being on this team is like you said, it, it weighs a lot on him. He's a competitive guy. He's done nothing but win in his whole career, starting from when he was 10 years old, probably earlier. The guy's been on successful teams. These last few years have weighed on him. I talked to him in Chicago. You were around him. It's, it's, it's a lot when you're this type of guy and you're used to success and you have that kind of drive and pride in your game where this, this affects him. So most guys in his situation would not play the rest of the year. He's working his tail off to come back to play the last few games for a team that's in the lottery to be last place in the whole league. That says a lot about you because most guys will just pack it up say, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm going to kick the can the next year. I'm not going to risk anything. He's He's trying to come back to a team that's like last placed him. That in itself speaks volumes to the type of leader he is, the type of guy he is, the type of competitor he is. I want him on my team. I don't care what role. Right now, he's not a first-line guy. He's not a second-line guy. He's a third-line centerman who can go in, take a crucial draw, put him in a situation. You know he's going to do the right thing. I like him, but he's not going to be the guy who's driving the offense. He hasn't been that guy for five years, six years. So I think he comes back. I think he has to get out of Chicago. It's it's a shame they couldn't get any return for him. But I, th- I think he's going to walk in the offseason. 
Well, the other team that's been white hot right now lately is the Oilers. Edmonton Oilers, another team getting hot really at the right at the right time. They're 11-2-1 and one in their last 14 games. They've had a bunch of guys just cross the 300-goal thresh- threshold. Dreisaitl, McDavid, Kane, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins are all just crazy hot right now. They've got the most goals for in the league. Does this feel like a different group to you than it has in the past? Um, It does. It really does. For me, the difference is they they fought through a lot of adversity this season. Evander Kane went down. Jack Campbell was just atrocious. Nobody knew where this team was going to end up. They've battled through all of that. And to me, the biggest thing with this team as years pass, the depth is there. I like the addition of Nick Bukestead. Matthias Janmark's playing great. I like the the tertiary guys. The secondary guys are playing really, really well. And it's not saying the top two lines aren't putting up points. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having a career year, his best year, his whole career. McDavid setting records, drying signals right behind him. I think they have a very formidable two lines, but what is going to make this a different playoff run for me is, is the third and fourth line. Gone are the days when you just have to rely on Connor McDavid and drying Seidel and just be like, we need you guys to score six goals. When you look at their box score every, every other night, those guys aren't even on the score sheet a lot of the times, and they're winning games four to two, four to one. Like the third and fourth line are putting up points. Darnell Nurse, we had a good bit on him on Monday. He's playing great this season. So I, I like the Edmonton Oilers, much like the Leafs, though. It kind of all boils down to the goaltenders. Is Stuart Skinner the guy? Is Jack Campbell going to be the starter for game one? I don't know. Because they both had their moments when they looked good, but they both had their moments that they looked really shaky. It'll be Stuart Skinner. It has to be. He's had the more complete season, but yeah, I think it does feel like a different team for me. I like the way that they're playing. Matias Ekholm was a good pickup. I think he's playing great with Evan Bouchard. It gives him a pretty good top four. What do you think? Same old, same old, or is this a different team? They're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Well, I, I always forget. I mean, I, I catch myself forgetting that they went to the Western Conference Finals last year, and that was with a very top-heavy team. And so now they're they're a better team. The goaltending is still the question. But like you said, there's additions that they've added um, are just huge for them. And you've seen guys play at a level they haven't before. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I think his career high is 68 points, something like that. He's going to get 100 this year. And so, yeah, I think it is a different team. It is a different team. I, I think, and I said this maybe last week or the week before, the Rangers and the Oilers, there's two teams we just talked about, were the, probably the biggest, I don't know, question marks or maybe points of excitement entering the playoffs where these teams could be first-round exits or they could win it all. And it'd be really interesting to see which way it goes. The issue here is I like the Oilers. I, I think they have a chance of coming out of the West. As it stands right now, they line up to play the LA Kings. And for whatever reason, I like the matchup between the Kings and the Oilers. I, I would take the Kings over the Oilers. I just like the way they're made up. I think they have that guy in Philip Deneau who can shut down a McDavid. Not totally, but contain him. And then when you look at the depth of the LA Kings, I think they're a better team overall. So just the way it shakes out right now, maybe it won't. Maybe one of those guys can catch Vegas and the playoff matchups can switch. But gosh, if they go into the first round and play the Kings, I'd be hard-pressed to not take the LA Kings. As much, as good as the Edmonton Oilers have been, they've been on fire. The Kings have been just as good. They've been great. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. The West, it's growing on me. It really is. 
I know the East is a juggernaut, but I feel like the teams in the West, they had some growing pains this year. They they took a lot longer to find out kind of who they were and the type of team that they were. The Minnesota Wild took a while to figure things out. The Edmonton Oilers, they had massive bumps in the road. Everybody knows what happened to the Colorado Avalanche. Vegas had some issues along the way, but you can see the cream rising to the top. Minnesota's there. Colorado's there. Vegas is there. And surprisingly, it's LA. So I'm a little more optimistic on the teams from the West, just a little bit. I do still think the majority of the strength lies in the East. Obviously, their top six teams, I still think, would be top six in the in the West, all six of them. But it's it's not as big of a chasm as it was a month ago. I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid on the Avalanche, too, just a little bit. I am. You'd have to. You can't ignore them any longer. But so let's stay on the West for a minute because I want to talk about these teams in the East. But the 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 Flames have been a team we talked a lot about in the last two weeks. I know you've kind of got your eyes on them. They've won two straight. Winnipeg has lost two straight, and all of a sudden Calgary's only two points behind. It's not unreasonable to think that they're going to get in, and they have a pretty easy schedule for their remaining six games: like Vancouver, Anaheim, Chicago. Winnipeg, which is the big one they're circling on their calendar, that game's going to be huge. Then Vancouver, Nashville, San Jose. They could easily go five and two during that stretch. And meanwhile, I, I didn't look at the Jets calendar, but it can't be easier than that. So, yeah, this is very. The problem is Nashville's not going away either. They're only one point behind them with two games in hand, and they beat the Bruins last night. Yeah, there's some consequential games. Winnipeg plays the Devils, the Avalanche, and the Wild. Oh, so they, they have a harder road along with Nashville, Calgary, Detroit, and San Jose. So there's really only one cupcake, the San Jose Sharks, because De- Detroit's a hard out. Detroit just beat Pittsburgh the other night. They're a good team. I Calgary is one of those teams. I broke up with them last show. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't do it, you guys. You've broken my heart too much. You broke up with them. Now they just sent me a, like a text late night. You up? What are you doing? Thinking about you. Think we're two points out. What do you think? You want to you come on over? And I was like, I think I do. <laughs> I think I do. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago when they were further out. I said, don't look now. Calgary has the easiest schedule in the last 15, 20 games out of every team in the NHL. And it's gotten easier since then. They, they ran through a couple mediocre teams. Now looking at their schedule, Chicago's garbage. San Jose stinks. Anaheim's awful. Vancouver is the team. They're playing on fire lately. But then you get Nashville and Winnipeg, who are two. Those are four-point games, Tim. It It is not a stretch to say Calgary could end up with the first wildcard spot if they play the cards right and they played well. I'm, I'm going to be so upset if they make the playoffs. Well, I love it. Of, speaking of Vancouver, there was a tweet, uh, quote tweeted out yesterday from Frank Saravelli saying, every year the Vancouver Canucks end up really hot and someone gets fooled into thinking they're a good team. And I responded, Every year, that person is John Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, because right now, I wish there was 30 more games left on the schedule, because Vancouver would no doubt make the playoffs. They are one of the hottest teams in the NHL, and they're not just beating lower-class teams. They're beating good teams, Tim, and they're playing well. So it's just frustrating to see how good a team could be in the last 20 games. When it, well, I guess it just shows... When things don't mean anything, players play their best. It just shows you how mental the game is because it's really the same team. They got rid of Bo Horvat. It's the same group of guys. Thatcher Demko's back. That that's a big, uh, big upside for them. But back to Calgary and Winnipeg. 
and Nashville. Nashville sold a bunch of guys at the deadline. Calgary didn't add anybody. Winnipeg went out and got Nito Niederreiter, so they added a little bit. Who gets in of those three teams? I think uh, well, only one of those teams makes it, right? Yeah. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't listen. You see the Kraken. The Kraken had that spot too. I didn't mention the Kraken. I said three teams, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville. Who's getting in? Only one spot, correct? Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's not I a good say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Winnipeg. I think they hold on to it. Okay. Where I think you? Calgary. I, I think Calgary. I really do. I just think strength of schedule. The way they've been playing, Nashville's got a pretty hard road. They get Pittsburgh, they get St. Louis, they get Dallas, they get Vegas, they get Carolina, they get Winnipeg, and they get Calgary. They have murderer's row, and then they finish with Minnesota and Colorado. So they have just playoff teams littered throughout their their remaining schedule. Even though they have games in hand, it's versus legit playoff teams. And then you throw in a Pittsburgh who is just fighting for every single point, and a St. Louis team that just never goes away. So I don't think Nashville gets in just based off of that. Maybe they're better team. I don't know. But gosh, they have a hard schedule. So I'm t- I'm taking Calgary. How can you not? Chicago sucks. San Jose is garbage. Anaheim, if they didn't have John Gibson, would be a, a glorified AHL team. And Vancouver might already have their bag packed by the time they play. I don't know. The key games will obviously, obviously be the one versus Winnipeg. That'll be the decision maker. Whoever wins that game, there's a pretty good chance they get in. I'm excited. I'm going to be watching. The great thing is, I didn't think we were going to be talking about the Western Conference at this point in the season. I thought it was just going to be, who cares? They're all garbage. Let's focus on the East. Don't look now. Calgary gets in. And they're playing good hockey. If you're the Dallas Stars or the Vegas Golden Knights, do you really want to go play a Daryl Sutter coach team with the defense that they have, the type of forwards that they have, the Cadres, the Lucic, these type of guys? the Coleman's, the Toffoli's, they can get hot in the playoffs and then win the Western Conference. I, I firmly believe that. I'm just saying. Yeah, we posted it like a, a tweet of that maybe a couple of weeks ago and everyone said you were a moron. They're like, everyone wants to play Calgary, that they buckle when, the, when a game matters most and Markstrom lets in beach balls and they don't have any finishers and all these things are kind of true. But I don't disagree with what you said either. I'm just saying, if I am the Vegas Golden Knights and I have the option of who I can pick in the first round. I'm taking Seattle. I'm taking Dallas. I'm taking Minnesota. I don't want to play Calgary. I don't Dallas and Minnesota. Maybe not Minnesota. Calgary is a physical team who gets up and down the ice and it makes me nervous. It does. It really, I know they don't have the, the premier score who can take over a game, but when you look at their lineup, I'm just saying, they have the pieces to make it very difficult in the playoffs. They have beef on every single line who can cause hey, chaos. You got Coleman, you got Richie, you got Lucic. You have high-end guys with Lindholm and Mangiapane. I know they're not the creme de la creme, but the key thing for me is their back end. They have seven or eight legit NHL caliber defensemen. And if Markstrom can get hot, who knows? So I'm saying. Wait, which team are you talking about? Calgary Flames. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, let's talk. Just he drives me bonkers. <laughs> let's let's talk about the East because we the the last two weeks the kind of the narrative has flipped where all of a sudden this one has gotten a little bit boring because all these teams are clinching and you got the two wild card spots and technically Tampa hasn't clinched that third spot uh, in their division yet either. But in the in the wild card, like 
everyone's no, no one's playing well. You get the Islanders in that first spot. They're six, three and one in their last 10, but then you got Pittsburgh, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Washington, all technically in the run there. This is their record over the last 10 games, four and six, five, four and one, three, four and three, three, six and one, three, five and two. No one wants to take command. Uh, Florida's lost four in a row. Pittsburgh lost a, you know, a bad game the other night. What, why are they playing so poorly? Why does no one want that last spot? Well, Tim, I don't think it's that they don't want it. I just think the East is very difficult to play in. And so you can lose a game to Philadelphia or Montreal or Detroit at any given moment. So it's not that these guys aren't like going out there. It's just a deeper division. When you look at a team like Pittsburgh, like Detroit's a good team. Then you beat Washington. Then you lose, you beat Colorado. Very good teams. But then you lose to Ottawa. So there's there's no easy out in the Eastern Conference, and that's why they I think you're seeing all these records near 500. It's hard to go on these long winning streaks in the Eastern Conference. The only team that's really done it is the Bruins, a prolonged, long winning streak. And I guess the Rangers right now, but I don't know who's going to make it out of the East, Tim. I, I really don't know. I thought it was locked in. I thought we had our eight teams, and all of a sudden, Pittsburgh starts faltering. The Islanders have faltered just a little bit. I think they're safe. but. I don't know. I think I think we're locked in. I think Pittsburgh makes it in with the second wild card. The Islanders make it in with the first wild card. I don't think Buffalo is going to make any drastic jumps. They're five points out. In Florida, they, they have their little bump there a week and a half ago where everybody got hot and they won three or four in a row, but you can't lose Ottawa. You can't. It, it just You can't lose to Philadelphia. Those are the games you can't lose, you know, and they, they get beat by Philly six to three. You lose to Ottawa. What was it? Five to two last night. You have no business being in the playoffs. If you're losing those games, I get losing to the Maple Leafs. I get losing to the Rangers. They're good teams. But if you, if you're losing those types of games to those types of teams in crucial, crucial time, I'm okay with them missing it. I want to see Sidney Crosby and I want to see Malkin. I want to see Latang, much like the Western conference. If I'm the Boston Bruins, do I really want to see Sid the kid first round? I know they'll beat him, but does it make you nervous? You're going up against a three-time Stanley Cup, multiple gold medal winning guy who can just do everything and do it well. He he can match Pierre Bergeron or Patrice Bergeron stride for stride. Yeah, actually, Malkin's probably the one that makes me more nervous in that in that matchup. But yeah, not a team I want to play. Why Malkin? Tell me why. I feel like just historically, he's done better against the Bruins. Big goal moments. They don't really have a like a. They don't have a big body. I guess probably Charlie Coyle would be the one that would match up against him. But yeah, he was just just anecdotally. I remember him just being better against the Bruins. He's had a great season too. Point per game when he is on, he is one of the best players in the world. That's the thing though. He has to be on. I've said it many times. He has an on and off switch. Most of the time, it's off. But if you piss him off, he becomes very, very dangerous. Don't poke the bear is what we used to say. All right, moving on. What are we talking about next, Tim? Well, we talked about how good Minnesota's been, especially um, even with Kaprizov out. They've actually keep winning. And then Matt Boldy has two hat tricks in his last like five or six games or something. He's got eight goals in his last five games. And then since 2001, since 2000, 23 years, only five players have posted more hat tricks before turning 22 than Boldy. The list of names Patrick Liney with eight, 
Marion Gabrick with five, Stamkos with five, Dabrinkit with four, McDavid with four, and this Boldy with three. And what's cool is uh, this. Okay, so this is the name we talked about when he signed a major contract like a year ago. Remember, he signed that big extension. And we I was were, just going to bring that up because I was like, I don't know. He's seven years, seven million dollars, forty nine million dollars. I don't know about this kid. Right. He only played one year and he was 39 points in 47 games. That's a pretty good rookie year. Um, understanding he's a little bit older because he played for several years at Boston College. High draft pick, like he, the pedigree was there, but I just you just didn't see his name too much. And then all of a sudden he signs this major ticket as I thought he was just like a, you know, a good young player in that organization. I didn't realize he was a franchise piece. And then he signed seven years at 7 million. Like you said, he's got two years of an, uh, no trade clause at the end of it. He's going to be 28 coming out of it. 29, 28. And, yeah. and now he's playing so well. And now he's proving him right. So this one, and again, it's only his second year. He's still on his ELC, but this could be a really good value for them down the line. Oh my gosh, it's a really good value for him now. If if he's making seven million dollars, it's you just don't know. But I think this is going to encourage people to start giving out these big contracts more often than not. Because why not? Now, when you look at a Matt Boldy contract, it's like, gosh, he's going to put up thirty goals every year for the next seven years, and he's only going to get better. It's his second year. You can earmark him in for thirty. It's not like he's playing with incredible players. He's playing with Joel Eriksson Ek and Marcus Johansson. Those guys are good. But they're not like premier guys. If you put them with a much like their first line with Ryan Hartman, I hate harping on this Minnesota Wild team with their centermen. If they could get some centermen who are good, like very, very good, 1A, the Zabinijads of the world, get these guys in there. Who knows how good a Kirill Kaprizov or a Matt Boldy could be? We don't know. All they've been playing with the Ryan Hartman and Joel Erickson Eck. So, Gosh, his his seven million years looking really, really good. This is only going to further incentivize GMs to give out these long-term deals to kids who are 20, 21, 19 years old. We thought it was, you know, popular. Just wait. This is going to be the going thing for GMs now. Because why not? You, you throw these contracts out at these guys. You get them early, then you get them in their prime. Uh, NHL prime is from 22 to 26. And if you can lock them up for seven million done. I would take that all day. You hit three home runs. Maybe you get one guy that just doesn't evolve as much as you thought he would, but he's still a good player. So I didn't expect it this early. He's a good player too. He's a heck of a player. And you feel like he's, he's breaking out basically in real time right now. He's getting better every game. And it'd be good to do like maybe a deep dive in the off season and think about the the logistical and salary cap implications of this of this trend because what we, we talked about it a little bit the disappearance of the middle class right where you've got like players like that making a lot of money early on a prove it type deal and saying I'm betting on you to to do this and you got a lot of like the bottom tier players bottom pairing you know third fourth line making one two three million dollars but. All those five, six million dollar players are going to disappear. Everyone's going to be either overpaid or underpaid because that's the only the reality of the calf situation. So it'll be interesting to see maybe what the uh, what the solution to that would be. Yeah, the second line will morph into a first line, so there'll be two first lines, and the third line will morph into a fourth line. So there'll be a bunch of guys making league minimum one million dollars, one point five, and there'll be a group of guys making five and a half and above, and that'll be the the gaps there because. You can't pay any guys any less. The the big guys are always going to want more. So where does that money come from? It comes from the middle class. And that's that's just the nature of the beast. So I think you'll continue to see the 
the gap between those two lines further and further go. And it goes the same for the defense too. You'll see the gap between the top four and the bottom two. It just, where else is the money going to come from, Tim? The top guys aren't going to take a haircut. It's a zero-sum game. They're going to continue to want, what? what? Zero-sum game. Never heard of that. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. What does that mean? It just means that like it has to come from somewhere, meaning like there's not it's like looking at it through. Um, I don't know. It just means if there's, if there's 80 million dollar cap space, obviously that for someone to get more, someone else has to get less. Zero sum it has to even out. I feel like that is just made up. I've never heard of that in my life. That's a very common saying that every listener is saying, oh, yeah, I, I've heard that before. A zero sum game. Yeah. Zero-sum game is a mathematical representation and game theory and economic theory of a situation which involves two sides, where the result is an advantage for one side and equivalent loss for the other. In other words, player one's gain is equivalent to player two's losses. Therefore, the net improvement and benefit of the game is zero. That makes sense. I've You're an engineer. You're a mathematician. I thought you'd know this. I'm not a game theory, economic theory stuff. I am. So, I mean- Is this what they do in LARPing? It's like one guy, one guy respawns and another guy has to die or something like that. Uh, Okay. Moving on. The Pizzetta Selly. What did you think of that? Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Michael Pizzetta scores a shootout winner last night. Very exciting for a player of his ilk. He's a third, fourth line guy. He doesn't score many goals. So he's excited just to even get that opportunity is rare. And he celebrates by doing the Tiger Williams, riding the stick and pointing. You know, I I wrestle with this because I like Michael. Is it the time <laughs> or the place to be riding the stick when you're in the basement of the NHL? Or is it fine? That's the only part that I don't like. Like your team is is really bad. I get you've had injuries. I get it. I get you're excited. The only part that gives me a little bit of reservation is you're in ninth place in the East. You know what I mean? No, second last in the East. Sorry. You're in 15th place in the East. I know. It's a good selly. That's the only thing I'm like, oh, not good. What did you think of it? I liked it, and I have three reasons why. First of all, I was born. Well, we made in, a list. I was born in 1990, so like Tiger Williams, I just looked it up retired in 1988. So yes, I've seen the video, but it's not like it's like a sacred hockey moment that shouldn't be replicated. Like the Yager salute, I think probably was something that you get a little bit more of a grief for for replicating. And so the Tiger Williams thing, like it's cool. I get people kind of give him a hard time, but it's not a sacred hockey moment, and it means nothing to me as a younger fan that has no connection to that celebration from the original one. That's one. Two, the reason that you said Michael Bazette is not getting a lot of opportunities like this. He doesn't get to be a hero many times. So when he gets to go in the shootout, a guy of his you know skill level and score the winner, that's pretty special. And he's, he's enjoying the moment. And then three, I like it because he's not like some like soft millennial kid who thinks he can do things like this without consequences. If someone has a problem with it and he wants to fight, he's a very willing partner. you know. So he'll back it up if he has to. So I have no problem with it. All right, good. I, I'm happy he scored it. I would you do it in that situation? No, I one time in men's league, I did the I uh, sheathed the sword, 
And that, yeah. that was like maybe my first or second time ever playing men's league. I didn't really know the rules yet. I think I was coming out of club hockey and then they were like, some guy pulled me aside. I was like, don't do that again. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I like it. I, I thought it was good. You need, you need some personality in hockey. So it's a good thing. It's my good only, one. yeah, you know, my reservation, you're in last place. Let's just pump the brakes. All right. What else are we talking about, Tim? Tortorella said that there would be no Flyers captain next year either. He's like, I'm just going to say it now so you don't ask me about it. There's not going to be a captain next year. Is that a good thing, John? Who cares? Honestly, you know how I feel about that. They have, like, just give somebody the C. Who cares? Just give it to somebody. I'm looking at the roster now. Like, who would you give it to? I don't know. The, the guy who has the longest term on their contract is Farabee. I guess Sanheim is right there too. Sanheim. This team sucks. I don't like who cares. I, I honestly don't care. They're bad. They're going to be terrible next year. Yeah. Maybe Hayes. He's, maybe Hayes is that guy. He's not that guy. He's well, not a leader. He's that guy more than anyone else. I think he's a leader. He's not. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Have you met him? No, have you? Yeah. Nice. I'm happy for you. It's not that guy. <laughs> okay. All right. And you want to you want to dump on the Bruins for a minute? It's not dumping. It's news. The Bruins are cheating, and everybody's <laughs> starting to kind of realize it. They're circumventing the cap. Exactly what Gary Bettman didn't want to happen at the trade deadline. The Boston Bruins are doing. Taylor Hall is healthy. He's been skating. He's been riding the bike like a madman. He is healthy. He should be playing, but the Bruins can't bring him back because they have no cap space. What is going on in Boston? Why is nobody talking about this? It's illegal. They should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. What are your thoughts on this, Tim? Or should I say Jack Edwards? <laughs> well, first of all, they can free up, free up that space by moving Felino to the LTIR. And Forbert. They got to move a couple guys. But yeah, it's not cheating. He's just been healthy, like as of the last couple of days, and now they're figuring out a way to get him back in the lineup. It's not like oh, so he is healthy. He just got healthy. What do you? Okay, what would you like them to do differently? What 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 should have happened differently? They They should have to give Bertuzzi back to Detroit and forfeit Uh draft picks. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the that's the clever way to do it. That makes sense to me. Well, they they knew full and well when they got Todd Bertuzzi, Tyler Bertuzzi, that they were over the cap. And they knew where Taylor Hall was in his rehab process. This was an inevitable situation. Just saying, if he stays out until playoffs, it's definitely circumventing the cap, which is fine. Like, it's the rules. You can do whatever you want. But there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If he is out and he plays game one of the playoffs, you cannot sit there and be a respectful reporter and say they didn't circumvent the cap and cheat because they did. No, but seriously, what do you want them to do right now? Like, how how can they get out of this this mess, if you want to call it that, and say, okay, the Bruins are, handle this with dignity. They have my respect. They can't do anything. Because the player came back. He's healthy now. The, yeah, that was always the idea for him to come back healthy, right? He didn't have a timetable when the, when the trade deadline was here. But now he's healthy, and they have seven games left. So now what? Either they hold them out or they move a player to the LTIR and get, get cap room for them. That's how it works, John. They're not doing anything. Uh, trust me. I know how it works. I you wrote the rules. I wrote the rules. 
But I'm just saying, everybody was all over the Tampa Bay Lightning with the Kucherov thing. Oh, they're cheating. They're cheating. They're cheating. It's happening to Boston. That was no like one's six saying months over. long, though. He had a major injury. Taylor Hall had a pulled groin, and he's ready to play. And he makes $6 million. And you know how much cap space they have right now? 39000 I don't think it's enough. So it's not a huge story, but no one's talking about it because they are cheating. Because it's not a huge story. No, it's because everybody licks Boston's, you know what? And it's like feet. They lick their feet. And it's just, I don't know. I, I don't mind it because I didn't mind it when Tampa Bay did it. But if you're going to get all over this team, you should get all over the other team. Boston just can do no wrong in this league. And it's because Jeremy Jacobs and Gary Bettman are just the best butts. That's They hang out. They're both snakes. That's it. I don't disagree with you there. I don't. Right. Good. What else are we talking about? Anything? No. I feel like we should end on, on a positive note somehow, though. Not going to happen. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Did we ever get Ryan Graves? Is he coming on Friday? Uh, the only time we could do was like Friday late afternoon. So I said, let's push it back to next week. These players are so high maintenance, aren't they? Yeah, no. I mean, the schedule is what it is. I don't know. He's traveling they, and stuff. They play Thursday, and then I guess they're flying to Chicago. Yeah. We'll give him a break. But all right, we'll get him next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 